Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another chaotic episode of Inspiration Point. I am Andrew. And I'm Adam. And tonight we are joined by, I feel comfortable saying, a good buddy of mine and a new buddy of Adam's. Yeah. Thomas Cook, the GM and main showrunner behind the uh, live streamed uh, tabletop episode show called Quests and Chaos, or I guess I should say more than show. It's a channel, correct? That is correct. It is an entire uh, tabletop gaming channel. We do board games. We do streamed Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu and all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, welcome to the show, Thomas. It is great to have you here. I am really excited to be here. I've been listener since day one. Oh, you know, and we we appreciate it so much. That warms uh, the cockles of our heart. mm, And as as uh, longtime (laughs) listeners know, there's nothing we we love quite so much as having our cockles (laughs) real nice and warmed up. Yes, indeed. And wow, what a cool gig to be able to stream Dungeons and Dragons and really interact with the community in that way. It's not easy. I'm sure, as you know, doing something like this, uh, it takes a lot of it does take effort and brain power. So we're 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 just excited that the uh, the community that we have, you know, sort of has built up around us is so supportive and so cool. They they are very, very cool. Um, what what little bit I have uh, had the pleasure of interacting with them. Um, they are they are some of the most enthusiastic, supportive and just all around sweet people ever. Like you you have such a great crowd. I mean, not not to mention um, there's you and. You know, I'll I'm going to throw some names out here. And if these need to be edited out later, I'll chop them out. But uh, look at Andrew name dropping. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Amy, your lovely, lovely partner. Uh, Tiana, obviously, Aaron, Warren, Bo. Those are that's your that's your regular solid crew, right? Yeah. At least for chaos agents. Yeah, that is. The, I know you guys have a have a few other folks too. Yeah, that was that was the crew when you were uh, when you guest when you guest starred as Grumble the the Druid. The Druid. Druid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was fun. Which that was fun caused the uh, the terror that became Alacrity, who is now. I was. Now, currently, the open lord of Waterdeep. Oh my god <laughs> i I've been meaning to ask you about that. Like how <laughs> I I just I thought, ah, oh, you know, it'd be a nice addition to this podcast is awakening some horses, and uh, yeah, it seems like you guys really ran with that. Yeah, I think whenever whenever uh, alacrity or steadfast uh, were mentioned. Like in my head, I leveled them up. <laughs> so like, so, you know, they became, you know, 15th level when everyone else was <laughs> six. Whoa. <laughs> there you go. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Is it morally right to use um, 
awaken on things or does it matter? It doesn't matter because if they're not <laughs> awakened, they're just useless, soulless objects. Wow. Right. Oh, my gosh. Right. So oh it's only it's only a net gain. Whatever you, you, that you thing can, is, you can always count on Andrew to do the dumb thing in a D&D session and to make sure that if nothing else, it's not boring. Yeah. Darn right. That's my M.O. We had an episode of Chaos Agents, our episode two of the second season last night, and and it could not be more dumb. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. However, I mean, but I think I am on board. Several people almost died from laughter. So that was it was worth it. <laughs> That's like that is 100 percent my jam. Um, and, you know, I, I guess you for um for the sake of expediency i get you know we're kind of already there i figure we can just jump into the topic right now basically because ultimately what you are here to talk about tonight is your your main realm of expertise and that is in in the area of running a streamed tabletop RPG game. Um, and what what I think would be great to talk about tonight, because a lot of people want to do this, you know, ever since Critical Role just came on the scene and blew up and then 5e in general just started, you know, turning into what it is today where, you know, it's incredibly popular. I mean, Critical Role literally now has their own animated show on Amazon prime because their tabletop streamed show ran a Kickstarter and generated some like $13 million when they were thinking about doing like a little short. And now they've got an entire season worth of animation. Um, so we would like to learn about how how does it all work? What are the ins and outs of running a live streamed tabletop RPG? And what are the differences between how you go about doing everything for a streamed game versus just how you would typically uh, run a session that's that's private, that's just for you and whoever's around your table like most of us do? So I think the so getting into the actual like technical aspect aspects of running a game, a stream, the first thing mm. is, are you remote on webcams or are you in a around a table? And both of those are the similar, but also significantly different. Um, mm. If you are webcam, a everyone has to have a, a good webcam, a good Internet connection within reason, because we get people dropping off uh, when we do yeah. that. Um, but that's it's a lot easier to get into that uh, area. Mm. And then, yeah, and, versus, you know, not everybody has a studio space. And, you know, that's really thanks to our community who has financially supported us. And that's that's what the majority um, that in taxes is, <laughs> you know, really what the uh, 
what the what we call our tavern upkeep, what the what that revenue is for is to pay a portion of the rent at my office that I use for my nice. day, that my, I use for my day job. Which do you do you mind uh, telling the listeners kind of what you do for your day job? Uh, I essentially what I do for the channel, but not for Dungeons and Dragons. So, you know, mm. for at least during the pandemic, I've been doing nothing but live streaming. And mm. it's a lot of remote live streaming where I'm directing from my office and connected to cloud computers. Um, gotcha. You know, and we're moving back into, you know, back into being in person for a lot of this stuff. But it's it's video mm. production. It is uh, cinematography editing i do a lot of camera and lens rentals just Mm. and having a space was requirement for the sort of the rental aspects i didn't want people showing showing up at my house every day yeah what's kind of like your your background and and education with that stuff because that sounds like it takes a lot of technical know-how uh i went to film school right out of college and spent seven years doing that while i worked uh at a local television station and just, you know, I wanted to make movies. Ended up, you know, doing, oh, I'm making commercials. And, you know, oh, I'm making web series. And I'm making uh, shorts and features. And so it, it, it was a lot of film and video production. And then my big sort of gig was I got hired at Intel to be a, a technical director for live stuff. And then I moved around you know, within Intel to, you know, the in-house cinematographer for, you know, shooting tons of digital content. Um, and eventually when I left there, you know, I was still as a DP, a cinematographer out, you know, shooting, you know, commercials and interviews and television. And then the, and then we started streaming because it was really sort of in line with what we were doing. Uh, Amy had moved, up the ranks in live uh, web streaming at a local, mm-hmm. at a you know local tech company here, and so what we wanted to do originally with the channel is make stuff like uh, Felicia Day was making uh, the Guild, yeah, you know Dragon Age or uh, Resurrection or, or whatever that was called, yeah, where she was playing Talus from the expansion. Yep, yeah. So that, however. Um, takes a lot of money. And if people are not yeah. giving you money, you can't pay actors and you can't pay editors and you can't pay graphics artists. Um, you can't do much of anything. <laughs> yeah. And you can only ask for favors for so long. So it, that's we, true. So eventually it wasn't until I saw campaign two of critical role that I realized I can do that. Technically mm. the video portion of it. Right. I can do that and be as good or better technically in the video portion. <laughs> Not saying content or acting. Um, yeah. It, it just make that clear. Yeah. We don't have get get you flamed or anything. Um, but, yeah. But you guys still have some some great acting on there. You oh, guys still absolutely. have some, some wonderful content yeah. that is very entertaining. You guys have such a, a great friendly vibe. I mean, that really comes down to um, our philosophy on the channel is if we are having fun, the audience, the community is having fun. There you go. That's a great philosophy. Is that, 
you know, is, is that something you guys have developed from the show or just sort of brought with you? Does that come from anywhere? I think, I think right, a- right away that was sort of, um, I, I want trying to, I'm trying to actually think of the truthful answer to this. Um, I don't think we started off with it. I think that, you know, we, we wanted to make, um, you know, the best content that we could. And that is not always the most fun to watch. You know, if, mm. you know, a brooding character might be an interesting, you know, thing to see in a movie and stuff. But if you're have a character that doesn't talk around the table and just kind of sits there, it, it's, it's not exciting. So every now and then you do have that player who wants to like try, try the weird character idea of like playing a mute. Mm, And -hmm. it's like, could be a neat idea in theory, you know, like look good on paper, but (laughs) what are you doing? Watching that. Yeah. What are you doing? A Kenku shows up at your table, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, that might be cool in a movie yeah. or TV show. That, then it's a, uh, I guess it's a lot of explaining what they're doing, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, we we had a a, a Kenku player in one of our games, and they, he would do stuff like he would say, "My character makes gestures that seem to say," and then we would say whatever he wanted. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know, was, that, that's actually a great way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, sometimes he would leave it up to interpretation, which I preferred. You know, it was fun to get to interpret what he was saying wrong, you know? Yeah. So, you know, if everyone else plays into it, it can it can be fun. It can be it can work out. But, yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, So, you know, tell us a little bit more about the technical side of producing this kind of content, because I think there's a lot of people who want to know. So we do during the pandemic, you know, we were all remote. Uh, But before then, we were in a studio space where everyone was around a table and we had a very nice one, by the way. Thank you. Which I built with my with my own hands and saws. Wow. Carpenter as well. It's made of plywood. It is very heavy. But it, it, <laughs> have you ever tried to pick up a, a, a studio? It, you know, it weighs a considerable amount. Yeah. Originally. So it is uh, the table. I mean, I, the table itself, again, stolen straight from Critical Role. Um, it is not as big as theirs, but it was uh, seven foot, seven inches square. And then the DM. So it's a corner. big old table. Yeah. And the DM corner was cut. And. The way that we are in our first studio space, we had to set up and break down for every show. Like we would uh, set up in, into a space and then break it down after the show. And it got uh, quite tedious. So I took a circular saw and just cut it straight down the middle. There you go. And then and then I was like, oh, my God, I have to find table legs for this now. I'm like, where 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 online can I buy table legs? And interestingly <laughs> enough, there is a website called Table Legs Online. What do you know? (laughs) (laughs) So you can buy, you know, folding table legs anyway. So I did that and now it's in two pieces, which is a lot easier to manage. Speaking of being able to buy weird stuff online, this is not 
TTRPG related at all, but it's something that not a lot of people know. And I'm sure somebody could do some fun with this. You can actually buy speed bumps online, like <laughs> legit, the kind of speed bumps that the city would use. You can buy these things and just put them on your street. <laughs> so, okay. You know, if somebody wants to go out and buy a speed bump and uh, make a hazard, you yeah. know, we didn't tell you to. Yeah, you may be violating some local ordinances. Just don't tell anyone. And if the cops come, you know, just, just take them off. Put them back after they leave. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks hey. for that. <laughs> and, and now you know. And now you know. See, I'm a purveyor of fun facts. What you do with said fun facts is up to you. I see. I see. Uh, um, anyway. Anyway. So anyway. How, do, how do you get started? Uh, just uh, get started. It's it's not easy. It takes definitely more time than you think, uh, but it can be really rewarding. Uh, I think audio is the most important part of this. I mean, like I mean, you guys with your sultry voices in your in your podcast is is one thing, <laughs> but you know, trying to get a bunch of people around a table or using you know headset mics, um, it's yes. not always that great. So if you are going to do, um, if you are going to do podcast which is actually easier because there's no video right um getting a see that's what i was saying <laughs> yeah you know getting a you know audio technica at i don't know tw- what is it 2020 or 2035 or whatever it is it's a 100 bucks and then you know some a way to plug it in and if everybody has that you're going to get a lot better audio there you go yeah so audio did, is- did you provide those things for everybody or did you like kind of just expect them to to have one like was it was it just a cost up front you ate uh no well yes uh in the sense of in studio uh everybody has their own microphone and that was me uh early on te- you know we did a bunch of tests before we landed where we did and the first test was with a set of microphones that didn't work so then i went to ebay and just started ordering you know seven shotgun microphones to have mm-hmm. around the table you know, and then the mixer that goes with that. And, you know, so it, we built it up slowly, I guess, over the course of that first six months. So in order to jump into trying to do this sort of thing, what would you say is approximately, you know, the the minimal investment amount that you're looking at? If you really want to, like, commit to doing something that is um, at least moderate quality. Okay. So you want to, you're going to start off with an Adobe creative cloud license because you're going to mm. need Photoshop and you're probably going to want premiere to edit. Um, you are going to want a good microphone and a good USB interface. So let's say mm. you have, we're just going to assume you have a computer. But, you know, you'll need you you need a webcam, you'll need a microphone, you need a USB interface and mm. and a light. So each person is probably, you know, four to five hundred dollars per person mm. if they have the computer, um, you know, and then Creative Cloud's a stupid monthly subscription. Yeah, I, but, I use that to edit this show. Yes, I do have a hint, though. Uh, mm. it, 
every I don't know if it's every Black Friday, um, but if you say you want to cancel, they often mm. just I mean, and it's online now, too. I just be like, I want to cancel. And then the next thing that pops up is, well, what if you could have it for 30 bucks a month? And I say, yes, please. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I actually use the same technique whenever I actually want to get technical service through my internet service provider. Yeah, you, you you don't go through the the list they want. You go to cancel. Yeah. Yep. And and then and then you get help. They get on the <laughs> phone in a hurry. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa where are you going? They're like, hey, buddy, old pal. <laughs> yeah, I need to start getting deals. Like, you can get all the free Hulu you want, you know? Yeah. There you go. <laughs> if you're willing to be creative. Only um, suckers pay. <laughs> so, um, you know, going from from there, I guess what, what I want to ask is what was the biggest challenge that you can remember getting it set up? Mm-hmm. What was the what was the most painful thing? Uh, honestly, uh, part of it was that initial outlay of cash. Just straight mm. up, we bought a bunch of equipment. You know, we we thought that we had enough to do everything, and that just wasn't the case. Uh, and we mm. have not stopped uh, purchasing gear. Luckily, my other my day job actually owns all of the gear, right? So my day job, where I might rent this stuff out, um, paid for it. And sometimes I will take it out of the studio and it'll go on a rental and hopefully it comes back before we stream next. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had any times where somebody had rented something that that you needed and come stream time, you didn't have it? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, And we just kind of, you know, work around what it is. You know, there are some core elements that we don't, you know, that we don't let go out. Uh, our right. main our main streaming computer now is running vmix uh, mm-hmm. as instead of OBS and ah. that, and and you know that's another outlay of you know that's not cheap we also use OBS on a separate thing we we've we've got a really cool intricate thing now um, in how we do things we have a the DM sees this uh, 55 inch TV right behind their camera and we use OBS to um, mix a whole bunch of sources on that. Like, you know, we get a, a PowerPoint doc on there that, that can be advanced. We see the program feed, we see the map cam and whenever a transition or anything happens, we actually kick off a timer in OBS so that there's a straight countdown so that, you know, we can see where, um, you know, exactly when we're going to be live. And that's cool yeah for our main shows we actually have um one of our community members and good friends the baroness is their screen mm. um she actually comes in and runs and runs sort of the technical stuff for us on those streams that's always nice when you can get that community help so you know kind of changing gears a little bit i want to get kind of into the more art side of things you know, let's talk about getting into role-playing games. Like you saw a critical role. You had the idea like, Hey, I can make a, one of those. Um, but you probably had some background with D and D or other games. And so I'm curious about that history. <laughs> uh, it is the, the older brother syndrome. 
So I was, mm. you know, I was one of those kindergartners who had a brother in sixth grade who was, uh. who was into it. And honestly, I, you know, I was always the fighter because that's all that there could, you know, my little brain at kindergarten could do really. It's all was, good, man. Fighter's <laughs> the way to go. <laughs> that's about to tease Andrew. I'm going to let it go. It's fine. I'm doing it myself in my own head. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there was, uh, in those early days, for me anyway, there was absolutely no role playing. You know, it was rolling dice and, you know, my older cousins, you know, might do some stuff. But I was just there rolling dice and killing monsters. Uh, but that led to... You know, my brother went off to college and stuff. I was just, you know, absorbing all of that lore, you know, the Forgotten Realms box set, the, you know, all of those, eventually the second edition stuff that would come out. Um, mm, you know, lore. I did way more reading of books than playing until I had a, I moved out to California. I went to uh, the Wizards of the Coast forums, which they had at the time. And, you know, which was Great fun then, you know, official hosted message boards. And I answered an ad for let's meet at a bar and let's play a D&D game. And yeah. That, and that turned into a three year campaign, lifelong friendships and just an amazing experience. That's that's where I met Ezra, uh, who runs our mm. Call of Cthulhu show. He actually was there with another person just as sort of like, uh, you know, let's see. Let's make sure we don't get stabbed. You know, in this, uh, in yeah. this bar. It's like the first time you buy something off off Craigslist. You're like, uh, yeah, <laughs> do exactly. I need to bring a gun to this or what? <laughs> like, what's the protocol here? Yeah, so you bring you bring your speed bump. That's what <laughs> yes, you bring your speed bump. See, yeah. see, it's important. Oh man. Anyway, so Steve Steve uh, didn't make it past the first session, but Ezra stuck around for some reason, even though he hates D and D. And you know, we tricked him into our uh, our Monday night show for right now as well. Said, you know what, you'll be on for two for two sessions, and I think twenty. We're on twenty two right now. Oh, <laughs> got him. That's right. Way to way to rope in your pals. Yeah, but I mean, he doesn't he doesn't like D and D because it is uh, it's you know, time consuming combat and all that other stuff. But the difference mm. between to, to tie back to a question earlier, the big difference between a home game and a streamed game is that there's actually a lot of role play in a streamed game because right. you really want to tell the story in character. And, and that really kind of comes out. Uh, it also makes running modules interesting because you as a person actually bring a lot of this backstory to you, you know, to the game. And if there's nothing in the module that sort of ties to your backstory, it's kind of, well, why am I here? So it's, it's always that challenge of taking a module, but throwing in like stuff that directly says, you know, you're searching for this person. I've got to somehow put them into this module. And that's a, that's a good challenge. Do you typically, favor running modules at least for your um for your streamed stuff or do you prefer homebrew or a mix it's a mix um mm. you know the 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 search engine optimization of running a published module is good you know because people will be looking mm. for to see how it's run yeah you know, how do right. these people run it um i don't know if we're actually good examples uh 
of how to run that, a module. That's how, uh, that's how, uh, twice bitten, um, really got off, got off the ground. Cause they, they're running curse of Strahd and their whole thing is that they're running it raw, completely raw. Um, and that the whole SEO side of things, uh, because they're running that module that that did wonders for uh, for their numbers and stuff, at least when they started before yeah. you kind of get that word of mouth to help you out. Mm-hmm. So our chaos agents started off as Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And mm. what's what was nice about that one is it was a one to six level. Right. So it was. It was a shorter module, and I think we did 20, 20 episodes in Waterdeep Dragon Heist. And then we did uh, 68, 67 episodes of Homebrew after that. Like, what are these, you know, what the characters solved this problem, but who are the characters and what was their backstory? So mm. the majority of that was Homebrew. But we still get, you know, us to... Uh, a lot of downloads on our first episode because it's called, you know, Waterdeep Dragon Heist. There you go. Where were we? Did I did I derail <laughs> things? <laughs> um, yeah. So I wanted to get a little bit more of, you know, how you feel about the game and how, you know, what do you enjoy from it? And what is what is your play style? What do you hope to get from it? I enjoy sitting around the table having fun with friends. That is the thing that I like most about it. The uh, the th- solving a mystery is the second thing that I like about it. Um, or or in the case of when you are DMing, creating a mystery mm. or an adventure, or you know, we, coming together to solve problems and have fun. No, that's, that's a perfectly straightforward, great answer. <laughs> yeah, I I like that. You know, it, I think, um, designing mysteries is, a is a very interesting thing. Um, when I, when I was working on treacherous traps, uh, the chapters in that book that I was most involved with were the, uh, the puzzles chapter and the riddles chapter of that book. And doing a deep dive into those kinds of things was something that I hadn't done much of before and creating puzzles or, you know, just even general situations where the answer is not supposed to be obvious. um, That can really be an art form like that. To me, that's one of those few things where I kind of genuinely think that there are probably people out there who are just not really cut out for making, uh, for creating puzzles or mystery elements or things like that. Like I, I think it takes a certain kind of mind to come up with things like that. So how do, how do you create mysteries? <laughs> what's a, what's your take? Um, so for me, it is it's more about procedurals, I guess, than mm. true mysteries, right? So we are looking at um, you know clues that lead you here and then there, and maybe you got false clues, and then you you know who did it. Oh wait, no, they were 
you know, over here doing this other thing. They couldn't have done it. Um, mm. that, that sort of, you know, television procedural is what this campaign too is. Um, it's not, you know, we're all in a room and one of us did it. Even though I, oh, gotcha. I love those, but that's really hard to do, I think, in D&D. Because you have a body and you can't speak with dead. And then yeah, it's game over. True. Magic does kind of, uh, th- it can throw a big, big wrench into, into things, uh, especially when it comes to like some of those old school tropes where, yeah, you know, you've, you've got a body in the room and you have to like find all these little tiny clues and, you know, get your Sherlock on and here comes D and D and yeah, you got speak with that. And it's like, and even if you don't, a lot of people play it off like, Oh, you know, we just got to go down and find the local cleric who can, you know, make this corpse get chatty for a couple minutes. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it kind of throws a wrench into the whole thing. I think that's part of the reason why like running a lower level campaigns is usually a little bit easier for the most part, because you can spells don't quite <laughs> yeah. I, get, get too crazy right away. I love low level D and D it's, it is yeah. where I prefer to be. Um, yeah. Just, just because also, you know, there's a lot, you know, whenever you're a new player, um, I, I saw this on a, you know, sort of a, one of the D and D groups on Facebook that was, you know, how do I get started? I've never played before. It's like, well, start at level one because you're going to have, you know, a handful of things that you can do and you're not, you know, jumping in with a 15th level character that can fly and, you know, do all sorts of crazy spells. Right. Yeah. You can definitely grasp it much more easily. Um, And I think fifth edition also, you know, especially after, the experiment that was fourth edition. Um, they really, I think have done a nice job of trying to lower the barrier to entry for the game as a whole and to make it much more new player friendly. Um, and, and I mean, I, I would posit that that decision, that design decision um, that a lot of fifth editions success up till now could be attributed to that design decision to make it much more friendly to people who have not been in the hobby, um, to, to allow these people to grasp what's special about the game without drowning them in, you know, a bunch of crunch or, you know, obscure lore or, you know, weird things like that, that a new player might, you know, it might put you off. It might, you know, scare you away from the game entirely. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you would get into Pathfinder two as, as a new Mm. player. Um, So I did a, I did, I did a charity one shot where I played a third level Pathfinder two character and I had Mm. like nine feats. (laughs) whoa and like some of those feats just gave you a different type of feat like it was it was mind-bogglingly difficult for somebody who has been in the hobby since 1982 like i am struggling wow i that's the first time that i've heard 
that it's that complicated. Like I, I thought I had heard that. Um, and I, I haven't messed with, uh, Pathfinder two, but I, I had heard that the intent was to kind of help simplify, you know, the, the bloat that you kind of get with Pathfinder one, because mm-hmm. it's, you know, as, as most folks know, it was based on 3.5 and it, you know, kind of became 3.75 sort of. Mm-hmm. So uh, I did, I and, did exaggerate a little bit. I had seven feats. Okay. So, and yeah, it's still a lot <laughs> and, and none of them are particularly impactful or feel great yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, you know, cause I have, I have issues with Pathfinder as well. And, and I think, um, you know, for the player that likes a lot of crunch and at least some seeming customization, there's a lot there to do. Mm-hmm. But right. yeah, when you say, I'm not sure how a new player would get into it. Like, I totally hear what you're saying. Like, there is there is some difficulty there. I mean, it's it, I mean, even fifth edition D&D, which is, you know, as far as D&D goes, pretty dang approachable. Oh, you sure. know, it's still yeah. pretty difficult for people to to just sit and read. And I, I, I don't, I'm not sure why that is, but, um, you know, maybe you have some insight, but yeah, uh, we're getting, we're actually getting to the point now where, um, it's starting to get more difficult, right. With, with, you know, Xanathar's and Tasha's and Strixhaven. Yeah. So we're starting to get, you know, towards the, the, the curve of, okay, this is going to get really complex for new players. Um, mm. Obviously all of that content is optional. So you right. can, you know, can start with the basic rules and play, which is still great. I think, you know, thinking about the design decision of fifth edition, I think there are two main things. A, it's just so approachable, but they focused on modules so that all of these players around the world that got into it had shared experiences, right? So we've, mm. we've you know, we've all played Lost Minds of Found Delver. Mm. Um, actually, I mean, I haven't, but. Almost everybody has, you know, we've, they've, they've seen Dragon of Ice Spire Peak or Curse of Strahd. You yeah. know, I think that there's a lot of, you know, kind of, you know, back to those first edition modules that, you know, we played when I was a kid, you know, people still talk about them and yeah. be like, oh yeah, that, you know, obviously Tomb of Horrors, you know, oh yeah, that, oh God, you know, yeah. our session lasted five minutes because we all jumped into the sphere of annihilation thinking we would go somewhere else. <laughs> Literally that, that campaign, that campaign lasted like five minutes. Man, oh I'd love to be the God. GM for that campaign. Like, well guys, that was fun. Who's, uh, who's jamming next? Uh, who's, uh, who's up next? Uh, that's, that's great. That's great. Um, do you, when you do get to play the game, what is your favorite class currently? Uh, I've been trying to play different classes. So I did Sorcerer um, in our first uh, stream. And so when I got my Nord shirt, I made sure that Sorcerer was on the back. Yeah. And then uh, and then I, I like Sorcerer. I played Warlock in a home game. I've done a couple of um, Wizards now which I think has been fun. So it sounds and, like you lean toward spellcasters. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a play style on its own. Uh, Andrew leans towards uh, throat punching. Yes. <laughs> so whatever allows him hard. to accomplish that. Yeah. Um, in, in our run there are a frost. lot of things that allow me to accomplish that. <laughs> nice. In our Rhyme of the Frostbane campaign, I played a rogue because I really wanted to play a rogue. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait. And, you know, I went Arcane Trickster kind of as soon as of I could. Of course you did. Like, I, I don't have any no spells. <laughs> like, I have nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I mean, and it's there's no mystery, but like the the arcane trickster and the eldritch knight for for Rogue and fighter respectively tend to be considered the like sort of high tier subclasses because the ability to use spells is just so tremendously wonderful, mm-hmm. and yeah. it just dramatically increases the amount of options, the amount of impact. And just your personal engagement with the game. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know if I would disagree. <laughs> I, I spent yeah, a lot like, of mean. Like, I, you know, everybody and their mom knows that I typically like to go straight fighter. Um, yeah. For me, I feel like, like spells almost do the opposite where... I have to think so much about the spells and knowing exactly how they work and the ins and outs of all these things, especially as you get to higher level spells that are more powerful or can do more things. Some of them get super freaking complicated. And I find myself very daunted by having to mentally keep track of like, Oh, I can do all these things, especially like my current character right now is a cleric and a cleric has access to like everything. It's not like a spell book where you're just limited to what's what spells you found. You can, the whole candy store is right there for you you just have a limited amount of candy you can take from the store per day. But fighter mains, am I right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) But like I go in the opposite way. If you don't have to worry about spells for me, I feel like using skills allows me to do things very intuitively. Like, Oh, I want to climb something. Okay. Athletics. I want to sneak somewhere. Fighters are cool too, Andrew. It's it's cool. Hey, I'm just saying (laughs) I I like that it, uh, that it lightens the mental load. And to me, it makes me feel more free to focus on stuff like RP, um, without the weight of all all the magic. Yeah. I find cool. I find myself looking at spell cards, too much, you know, trying to be like, okay, yeah. can I use this? Can I use this? And then, you know, you get asked a question. You're like, uh, I'm Ooh. sorry. I was looking at, you know, shocking <laughs> grasp. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, um, what is, what is your sort of core philosophy when it comes to games? This is something I, I usually try to ask everybody. Um, you know, you've kind of touched on one of them for the streaming aspect of it, 
But if you if you run a game or playing a game, you know, what is what is your motto? You might say, what is what is that philosophy? I, w- I would almost say it's, it's the exact same thing. It's have fun. I mean, it's a game. It is not high art. It is not the end of the world. You know, have fun. Don't be don't be mean. <laughs> don't be <laughs> don't be mean. mean. That's that's a great way to, you know, look at it because some there are definitely folks out there who take who take the hobby incredibly seriously um, and, you know, nothing against taking the hobby very seriously, but it can get really, really intense sometimes. And I think sometimes it can be easy to forget like, hey, we're doing this because it's fun. Remember? Yeah, I agree. So, you know, our, our, uh, saying our philosophy on this show is very similar, but also a little different. Um, we believe that the secret ingredient is love and it's a cheesy thing to say, but at the same time, like, Everyone we, we talk to about this, they say, yeah, absolutely informs what we're doing, too. And so I am wondering how the the concept of of love and I and I think I get the sense of where you would go with this. But, you know, how does love inform your your uh, interface with the game? Wow, that's I honestly, I don't know. Uh-huh. Yeah, stumped, stumped, like absolutely stumped. Um but you say you want everyone to have fun, right? I assume you don't just mean you. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> everybody at the table should be having fun. So how do we how do we nail that down? How do you do what you can do to make sure that other person is having fun? I think a lot of that comes down to um, reading that table, you know, and having that space to real to. It's a shared game. Right. And everybody needs their moment to shine and, you know, being aware of yourself to be able to know when to let other things happen, to sit back or to engage, to help um, other things happen. Um, We on one of our shows, uh, one of the players said that he was really sorry that two of us didn't participate much. But we were just mm. sitting there watching the role play happen, you know, so, it, you know, it was very much like, oh, no, we were right here. We were part of that whole thing just because we were in another room. Our players or our characters were in another room doesn't mean that we as players weren't fully engaged. Mm. That's that's a great distinction. I I think that there are I think that there are people who eh, well, maybe that's not the best way to say it, but I I think the ability to do that is kind of a honed skill. The the ability to be able to sit quietly and watch an interaction or listen to an interaction between other characters, hear what they are doing and what they're experiencing, even if you are not directly involved, and to get enjoyment out of that is I feel like that's a very mature way to come at the game because there are a lot of folks out there who who seem like they if they aren't the ones doing something, they're not really interested, mm-hmm. which 
kind of flies in the face really of what the hobby is and that it's it's cooperative it's we're doing this together as you've mentioned um and if you're if your own focus is only on what's my character doing is my character involved how does this relate to me if the answer is it doesn't then i'm just going to check out until the situation changes um and that that kind of person is not very fun to play with right yeah the virtual tabletop and being able to play remote has been uh, a godsend has been fantastic uh, in the time that we are currently in but being around a table yep. is uh, so much different than being online and if you can when, as soon as it's possible and safe get around a table you know it's just yeah it's just so much better yeah i've been you know adam has been doing D at the school that he teaches at so he's pretty much around tables doing this stuff daily where me like god i i can't i think the last time i played D D around a table was at adam's parents house when i was visiting last year sometime um, yeah, i think it must have been at spikes then oh for that little one shot we did yeah, yeah that's true that's true i couldn't remember if that was before or after i went down to visit yeah um mm. but yeah it, it, it's been more sparse for you and then plus i'm in arizona right so we just we just pretend that the the pandemic doesn't exist <laughs> <laughs> we just we just quit yeah. Um, and so we've been sitting around tables for for a while now. And in fact, I've got my club tomorrow night. And, I, you know, there are things about both that I really enjoy. And I think they both have their their advantages in some place. But, you know, assuming, Thomas, that you don't get a lot of opportunity to a play for yourself because you play a, you play a lot for a job. But and and B, you don't get to play very much in person. You know what is, what is the thing you're looking forward to most? Being able to do that again. Mm-hmm. Are you looking forward to doing oh, it again? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's yeah. you know that's why I like D and D is sitting around a table with friends and right. virtually. It's just not the same thing. You know, it's a lot no. easier to check out if you're not in a scene and look yes. at the internet or something. So it is. Uh, we we are back in the studio for uh two of our games and the third is going to remain remote until Mm. something else happens in you know in the state of the world yeah Mm. and so so really it's just it's that social aspect being able to to be together and feel human yeah and and honestly for a channel the difference in somebody clicking on your thumbnail if you're our remote versus if you're in studio is huge. Like it's, it's significant, you know, just as far as getting new viewers. Oh yeah, definitely. Like being able to see all of you around the table versus seeing, uh, seeing the, the little window of like a zoom call or something. You mean? Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. I could, I can 
definitely imagine that. Um, so how much like table talk? I know this is a little off topic, but what you know, I'm curious how many, how much table talk, like sort of pregame, you know, kind of memeing and and chatting, do you tolerate? Like if it's more about like the fun with friends, like how focused do you expect everyone to be at the table in a game? We've actually been, you know, back and forth in that, you know, uh, there are times where it gets to be way too much movie talk in the middle of a D&D session. Uh, and uh, so cracking down on that. But at the same time, you don't want to just say you have to be in character for these three hours because that would right. not be fun. Um, right. So, so it's, it's striking a balance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like uh, prior to uh, this evening, you shot me a link to um, to I, I guess I forget what what you call them. They're basically like recording guidelines or some kind of uh, like 10 uh, bullet points for. Typically, I had imagined for uh, guest hosts or um, but also regulars who take part in your show that kind of break down the guidelines of expected behavior um, and kind of what what is asked of uh, of air quotes you when you're on the stream. And I thought that the the list you had was really good like the you know stuff stuff like you know manage the food and drinks that you're that you're consuming at the table or you know th- this is one that's very specific to streaming but like don't put your hands over your face because people <laughs> need to see your face right right um are there are there other things within those guidelines where you're like this is one of my my big things or certain things on that list that you think are of particular significance or importance i think uh there are two that kind of jump out out at me so this is a a blog on our website um our website's a hot mess but (laughs) it's there (laughs) um it's the so do not interrupt, right? So don't ah, interrupt the other that players was one. or the DM. Um, and then that really ties into the next one, which is know where your character is. It's mm. the you know, these two people are off having this conversation. If you're doing something else, if you you know, if you've already had that scene or haven't yet, you're still not there, right? So don't just mm. you know, butt in. You know, if it's really important information, we'll see that later when you come back together. Right. So I think or, that's a, those are big ones. Or it might not get shared and that becomes a significant plot point. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I think I think the the interrupting during gameplay and and, you know, trying to insert yourself into scenes that may not actually include your character. I think that all that also comes from, you know, this desire to just 
be involved and to be playing. And, you know, sort of goes back to that, that mindset we were talking about earlier, where it's like, you know, if the scene doesn't directly involve me, I want to check out. Oh, I don't want to check out. So I'm going to go try to make sure that I'm involved with everything. Right. Right. Yeah. It's that, it's that, uh, our number two point is the let everyone contribute. Uh, Mm. We also, we also add be polite. Um, yes. So other players might be waiting, uh, for someone to finish a scene. Mm. So around the table, that's good because you need, you know, you can give each other eyes and like, you know, little hand waves. Um, Mm. that's harder to do remote. Um, yeah, it is. So if, if you're, so one of the points here is that if you're in a scene and you see somebody who wants to come in, give them an opportunity, you know? Mm. So if you know somebody's in another room and you see them kind of saying, you might, you know, your character yells out for the person and that Mm. does can give them an opportunity to come and join you know, in our case in a, in the story, but also without really interrupting. That's a, that's a, a really good tip. I mean, even if you're, if you're not around the table, you know, being conscious of, oh, this, the scene that I'm in might be one that's interesting for one or more of my fellow players who, or uh, fellow characters who are not here is, you know, and just have taking the initiative to think like, oh, where are they? Maybe I can take the initiative to bring them in, mm-hmm. you know, and being more inclusive that way as well. Um, it's easy to do. Like if you're in front of a locked door and the rogue isn't there, you know, oh, that's yeah. a, that's a mechanical reason. But if it's a storytelling moment, that's a lot harder to kind of figure out. Um, yeah. So it just takes practice and, and oh, just practice. Have you noticed any, uh, whether there are any of, the items on the guidelines posts that you've got that people routinely seem to struggle, especially with like, you know, point number seven, it seems like everybody has trouble with this or whatever. Um, hmm, 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 hmm. Yes. Uh, and actually this is one that I struggle with uh, mm. is number six descriptions. So uh, descri- describing what you're doing in narrative form, uh, you know, we are, our live streams turn into podcasts. So not everybody is going to see the wild uh, hand gestures that you're making. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to do it for everything, but don't say, you know, the first time you cast Firebolt, you don't say, I'm going to cast Firebolt at that guy. You know, you t- conjure fiery energy in your hands and hurl the bolt towards the enemy. Um, definitely. You don't want to do that for 10 rounds, uh, but, you know, some flavor is always good. I think that's something that um, that we could be better with uh, with our with our own games. Because we I, I know that I will fall into, you know, just saying I'm going to cast blank or I'm going to use X, Y, Z abilities and and such. And I, I know Adam will do the same thing, um, sometimes. And it's, it's a hard habit to break if well, we all do. And, and yeah. I think that Thomas brings up a good point that, 
like, you know, at least for that first time, you want to be descriptive, but you don't necessarily need to fully describe Firebolt every turn you cast Firebolt. <laughs> oh, like, sure. Sometimes we do play for expediency to, to move things along, you know, but how do you, what is a, a good technique for, sh- for doing, let's say D and D combat when you are on a stream, when you need to play for that audience and you really probably aren't going to sit there for two hours to kill something. Mm-hmm. So uh, reading, uh, Keith's book, the monsters know what they're doing. Uh, excuse yes. me. The monsters know what they're doing is a great way to start because the monsters aren't going to sit there and tell their dad. Nope. Um, right. They're going to take off. Yep. Um, so that can, you know, that can, you know, if it's really important that you take care of them, you know, maybe they s- saw you do something or they've got a, you know, a thing that they're going to take to the big bad guy. Yeah. You're, you're going to then move into a chase sequence. Um, mm. But, but if it's just, you know, an ambush, and if it's going bad for the ambushers, they're going to, they're going to bail on it. Mm. Oh, for sure. For sure. Any others? Uh, I always do the, the, uh, the monster has dramatically appropriate hit points. Ah, so, and right, the, there you, you know, go. if it's, you know, I mean, there, there's been a number of occasions where, you know, a, a character does something super awesome, but there's only a couple of hit points left, you know, what? you know, fudge that away. Right. And then, then there's the opposite problem where, oh, yeah, you just like the first round, you would have taken care of this thing. Oh, but there's another one, you know, just <laughs> there you, you know, go. This isn't even my final form. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Or like sometimes, you know, I'll have a player who I want them to do it because mm. it's like their villain, their out, their rival, their backstory character. Yeah. But, but, you know, Andrew just, you know, crit him for 50 damage. That's what happens when you punch that sucker (laughs) in the throat. Right. I'm like, ah, this is, this is Chris's character. There's no way he's still alive after that. This is bullcrap. All right. He's got two more hit points. Here we go. Never, never let, never let an NPC kill, uh, steal a kill. Oh, uh, for sure. I don't even like to have them in combat well, if I yeah, can exactly. possibly help it. Uh, it's just, yeah, just get rid of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. The way that, you know, sort of if there's NPCs that are, you know, guards with you, you know, they're off taking care, you know, they're occupied helping somewhere else. They don't need to be in the same battlefield as you. Mm. There's the PCs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like that. That sort of off camera stuff that you just maybe you make a couple of meaningful decisions for them that maybe have story impacts, but we don't need to sit there and roll the dice for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's really, really good. So let's, you know, as we kind of start wrapping up here, you know, what is something you're looking forward to in d and I, I mean, we've touched a little bit on getting back in person, that sort of thing. Or in maybe not even D and D, but just like role playing games. What is something that you sort of hope to accomplish this year? Something that you hope to, um, you want to do? That's a great question. You know what I would love to see is I would love to see the deck of inspiration on every table 
in the world. <laughs> yeah. So tell us, tell us about the deck of inspiration. This is the Kickstarter that you're running at the moment, right? Yeah. Currently on Kickstarter. Uh, definitely. There's an inspiration from Nord in here. Um, so this is, it's a deck of cards that enhances the inspiration mechanic of five E that, right. that mechanic being, if you as a player are do so, doing something that the DM really likes, whether you know, you're role-playing your character's strengths or weaknesses or character bonds, um, you get inspiration, which you put a check mark on your character sheet, maybe. And at some point you can use it to uh, have advantage on a roll. Kind right. of kind of vanilla and plain. Yeah, so, it's a little plain. Yep. So these are, it's a whole bunch of one-time use boons and magical effects um, that are different than just advantage. Um, they're, you want to read one or two of them? Or yeah. You just I throw them out there, man. So Let I the spoilers will, so rip. There's a couple of, first off, we have Change of Fate, which is literally just advantage. So, you, you, you know, mm-hmm. you have the potential to get it. These are handed out at random, or at least that's how we write it up in the instructions. Uh, but there is, you know, dangerous oil is a very, it's a very popular one on our Monday show, oh, mostly God. for the name, but it is a, you know, it's an oil you apply to your weapon and it becomes a plus one weapon for 10 minutes. Ooh. So just a quick, like, whoa, it's a plus one magical weapon. If you're fighting were rats and nobody's got any silver weapons. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> very handy. Um, you know, smoke bomb as an action, smash this uh, ceramic sphere on the ground within 20 feet to create a fog cloud in a 10 foot sphere for one minute. Just a Ooh. quick way to uh, get out of the way. And um, that that can be a uh, a way that somebody such as myself who may be playing a straight up, you know, martial only character, you know, they could get items like that that give them you know, spell-y effects at their disposal without being a spellcaster, too. So that's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you would probably like the uh, critical strike where you Ooh. change a regular hit into a critical hit. Ooh, you didn't even need to explain what it was. <laughs> I I heard oh, the yeah, name. Well, that I was be, like, oh, yeah. That would be absolutely godlike on a rogue. Yeah. The, the, or so a the paladin. Way that, Oh, or a paladin. Yeah. Yeah. oh no yeah. if we got a paladin our tuesday show <laughs> if they listen uh, to the show they're gonna definitely have that alternate bomb. form or twin version of that monster ready to go yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of the one of the cards is surgical strike which is max damage Ooh, which is actually nice. better than a critical typically because there's no dice involved it's just max damage Ooh. But come on, you want to get that handful of dice, oh, yeah. you know, and let it rip. You know, there's something magical about that. Yeah. Not, so this not is- when those dice are just a freaking mouse click. I'll take the max damage. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Nice. Uh, so these are so these are leveled up decks. So we've got one to four, five to nine, uh, 10 to 15 and 16 to 20. Good. They get, uh, you know, they get leveled up cards but also new cards for you know the crazy stuff you're going to do at at epic level and then nice. the last the last deck that we're hoping to unlock through stretch goals is the deck of uninspiration that is Ooh. the dui so, <laughs> dui <laughs> yeah so nice. uh well so while the while the deck of inspiration is given out for great role play 
the DUI is like when just something just awful, you know, the worst pun you've ever heard or anything. <laughs> uh, you, somebody, and, and this is the only one that the players can control. Uh, anyone can be like, no, we're pulling a card. And <laughs> whatever the card is, it affects everybody at the table. NPCs, great. monsters, PCs, um, sort of the lineage of one of those cards is starts with the emergency seal, which is uh, not an animal. Oh, but, uh, that's where my brain <laughs> went. It, it, well, and that, that definitely comes into play in a second. So uh, as an action, break this marble and it creates a one inch thick magical barrier that has, you know, an AC and hit points. So it it's a way to just, you know, seal off a tunnel, you know, control the battlefield, or you can, you know, put something in it that's less than three feet in every direction. We've, we, I think we've discussed halflings, but we're not quite sure on that yet. In case of emergency break seal. Yep. And then, so because everybody wanted a, an actual seal when they read the title, <laughs> we, we do have emergency elk, which, ah. um, you know, as an action, you break it and an elk appears just like a bag of tricks. So an elk <laughs> appears and you tell it what to do and it's going to go and fight for you. In the DUI, there is an elk emergency, which oh. an elk appears and randomly attacks a person every round, prioritizing oh the God. hoof attacks. So if you're prone, potentially, you know, unconscious, you're probably going to die. Oh my god. I I don't know. I might take that text out or just like make it optional, but that'll teach you it, to make bad jokes during the game. <laughs> oh, man, just, stomps just you to kills death. Your character. What did We're still you play learn? testing? <laughs> We're still play testing, so maybe that one will get changed a little bit. So and maybe have one where you change a character's social skill check to a, to a 1. You know, just, oh, yeah. oh, he's going to try to talk to the barmaid. You know what? For that pun earlier, <laughs> she is pick just up lines not alone. interested. <laughs> so, Adam, there have been some uh, card deck or rather card deck cards, at least in the past that you that you have been sometimes on the receiving end of sometimes on the beneficial end of. Um, but thinking about these sorts of cards, are there, are there any requests that you would throw at Thomas for the kinds of things you would like to see in the deck or the kinds of things you would like to make sure are not in the deck if you had your druthers? Well, First of all, I would just want to say that I think that the idea for both decks is hilarious and, and great. Yes. Right. And I myself use my own um, rule of cool inspiration point that I that I implement. Yeah. Um, but in, in the idea of the uninspiration point, I think is absolute genius. I think that's wonderful. Especially if you get to do it to the GM. That's oh, phenomenal. Man. Players will love that. I think that, you know, I, I would just say um, avoid power without gameplay. You know, where there is something, if you do a thing, I think is usually better than you get plus one to all something. Mm -hmm. You know you know what I'm saying? Like, 
usually there's you, you want that interactive or counterplay potential that is going to enhance things. There was one time I, I did. I, I wasn't happy about one of these, one of the cards from Nord. And for the most part, they were great. And there were some that benefited me greatly. But in one case, I, I dealt like a quadruple size critical hit, mm. which gave me this ridiculously wonderful hit. But in the back of my head, I also thought I didn't really do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There, mm. there was there was that sort of half victory. And then there was another one where I got hit. My character got hit in the head so f- so hard. His personality changed. <laughs> And it wasn't nice. clear to me when this was going to stop. <laughs> yeah. If, if it was ever going to stop. And I was like really not happy about that. Yeah. Right. So th- the other thing I would say is be, you know, be wary of, of player um, agency. Mm. So all, so these things are, you know, short term, you know, te- I think 10 minutes yes. is the longest thing that they have. Um, Wonderful. Usually it's then like that's it's phenomenal. It's, it's a one time thing. Right. But yeah, pointing out your own, hey, maybe this doesn't belong, this thing that could essentially cause you to be murdered immediately. Yeah. You know, um Yeah. They definitely want to be more style than they want to be substance, I think, in this case. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> We actually so so one of the things uh that we have is we have a lock trap. Right. So it is. Uh, we've got flavor text on all of these. So I'll start with the flavor text. Chewing this substance is the best way to get it pliable. That is not recommended. Mm. <laughs> so it's after you insert this gum like substance into a door lock or padlock, it disappears. When a key or lock pick enters the lock, the trap detonates, doing 2d4 force damage to each creature within five feet. Oh, dang. It's like it's like a little gobbit of c4 or something like that <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> nice. oh my gosh. which is why you don't want to chew it um but the on uh monday's game um the rogue wanted to put it in the lock and then detonate it from across the room so it actually hurt the people on the other side of the door i was Ooh, like oh wow that is actually clever. um yeah and i'm like ooh, that's really nice i didn't even think of that nice yeah that's awesome there was there was one uh i I always like it when some magic items are a little bit tongue-in-cheek and they will like mimic a piece of technology so that that c4 idea is funny and then i remember nord had um a magic item i think in the uh enchanting book Mm. that was like a magic wand that amplified your voice so it was essentially a microphone. Oh, it it nice. was. It was the uh, the 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 rod of the rod of Stuart. It was a rod. It was the rod yeah, of Stuart. Nice. It was. It, oh my gosh! I I wrote that one. It was a uh, it was a Rod Stewart pun for my mom because she likes Rod Stewart. That, so that's uh, that was my favorite item <laughs> in that book. Yeah. So, um, what are there any other projects? Any other uh, things that you're working on right now that you want people to know about? Um, we've got so anything that I that I kind of am tinkering on, you know, game stuff or or you know, fillable PDFs that that are helpful for use. Uh, those go on our Patreon. So nice, you know, if, uh, Patreons can can get weird stuff that I'm working on. One of which is called the Perfect Fit, 
and it is a sort of an enchanting guide. Uh, very, it's a like a, I think it's six pages. It's not a big thing, but it's a, it's a way for your uh, to have an item, which is I believe right now it is a, a armor or a weapon that levels up with you. Ooh. And that's just something fun that we kind of you know, and each each type of feature costs a certain enchantment level, and and it levels up like uh, like spell levels. So that's fun. So that you know, fun. you might have a you know a keen right, you know, a keen blade where mm. your critical is nineteen to twenty, and it's enchantment level one. Uh, but if you wanted to put another enchantment level on it, it's you know it um. It, you can't. You have to wait till your third level to be able to do that. So. Mm, but nice. All right. That'll help cool. help keep with uh, keep things from becoming like super unbalanced. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an that sorry that was an idea from Mongoose Publishing had uh, this game called Drow Wars, and that was the game that we met up in the tavern for. And in that you were these, you know, heroes and your, your items leveled up with you in the, in the back of the third edition DMG guide. Yep. A lot of effects had, um, plus one, plus two, you know, plus three, the cost of sort of like those items. Mm. So, you know, as we were 10th level, you know, we could have up to plus four, you know, mm. on our item. So it might, you know, you might've had a plus four sword or you might've oh, yeah. had a plus three flaming sword because third ed goes goes up to plus five i forgot about that yeah and they even had a rollable table in there where you could you know randomly generate random magic items Mm -hmm. and one of the items on the table was roll again twice oh baby and i remember one time i was playing a game and the gm was rolling this and he and he did that twice. Whoa. So it was like this keen, vicious, fiery, vorpal plus two kukri. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's like the best you know, knife ever. It's just like all of this like power just went on this knife. I think we were all like level five. Jeez. <laughs> just Weez. beyond ridiculous for where we were. That's that's crazy pants. Oh <laughs> yeah, my so goodness. That's, so that's that's one of the things that they can get, you know, and that's it's like I call it an alpha form because it's it's got some artwork in there, but really it's you know just you know there's no cover. It's just like, you know, yeah. use this, have fun, and tell me if I spelled anything wrong. I did. Just tell me where. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh well, sadly, yep. it is time to start wrapping this up, but Thomas, I just wanted to say for for both of us, of course, thank you for coming on. It was really nice to talk with you. You know, we'd obviously love to have you back on. Um, and it's it's really good to hear that Quest and Chaos is doing well. I'm always super thrilled to hear that that you guys are just doing what you're doing. And, um, you know, you're every every time i hear usually from tiana about you know what you guys are up to it always seems like you're growing or trying to do something new and with with the pandemic you know it feels like nothing is certain anymore like Mm -hmm. you know 
all these little things that we take for granted, you know, we see, for instance, like mom and pop game stores and stuff, you know, some of them having to close their doors because of financial issues and things. So it makes everything feel like there's this kind of potential temporariness to everything where you're not quite sure if the things you like are going to be able to make it through these hard times. And I'm really glad that uh, Quest and Chaos has not been one of the things that have, you know, fallen to the wayside uh, throughout all this craziness because there's been a lot of it. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Uh, thank you guys for continuing to uh, put out podcasts because it's it really helps when I walk my dog. Oh, man, <laughs> I we are more than happy to. And it's um, Adam keeps me keeps me on the ball. Even when I'm tired, he's like, the show must go on. I'm like, God, damn it. the show must go on. <laughs> also, it, we love dogs. Yes. Yeah. So I also did want to say, you know, uh, to uh, to Andrew, thank you. Because spectacular settlements gets used, and oh yeah, it is, uh, port. So Port Thoria, where Chaos Agents Campaign Two takes place, started with me going through uh, the city uh, in there and really using that as a jumping-off point for what it has become. But it, you know, it has its roots right there in spectacular settlements. Oh, that's that's so nice. Thanks, man. I'm. I'm so glad that it's getting used. I every now and then I'll have someone like drop me a line going, Hey, check out what I made in spectacular settlements. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so cool. <laughs> like, uh, it's that's awesome. I'm glad that it's been, uh, useful for you and stuff. And you know, it's anything to make your time at the table special. Right. So, yeah, right on. right on. Thomas, where can people find you? Yeah, uh, they can find us at twitch.tv slash quests and chaos or at youtube.com slash quests chaos. There's no there's no end in the YouTube. Mm. And then we're questing chaos on all of the social medias, all of the medias which are social. Yes. All right. And what's the um, information folks need to know for your Kickstarter? Uh, it is got like 20 days left. We just we just had our second whale drop a thousand dollars on it. Oh, which was nice. Su- super fun uh, to see come through. Thank you, mystery person, whoever that is. Uh, wow. So we're almost we're uh, we're actually pretty close. We're probably like 90 uh, percent to the, the goal. Ooh. Obviously, we want to hit. A whole bunch of stretch goals, but yeah. uh, twenty days to go, and it's looking looking good. That's uh, what's it the deck called? of inspiration? The deck. deck of inspiration. Right on. And what's the uh, what are the different pledge levels? Uh, we start with you know one dollar gets you access to the pledge manager. So if sure. you want to see what happens and what's unlocked at the end, um, and then there's uh, single deck, the core three decks. Um, PDFs of the core three decks. And Ooh, then that's nice. And then there's the, uh, the core decks plus four extras. So you can, you know, whatever is unlocked, you can choose, you know, those or just get extra decks to give to your friends. Um, there you go. 
and then it goes up, you know, you get a, you can, you get a name, you can name a card. So instead of Tasha or Morden Kanan, you can put your character on one of the cards. Ooh. Those, those start into the, uh, the big, um, the big dollar donations. Yeah. Um, and then we're in, there is holographic versions of the deck because uh, we found a printer that does hollow printing and it's just kind of like a, you know, has that uh, metallic kind of foil sheen to it. Yeah. It's not quite foil, but it's, and it's, you know, not like a sport flick or anything, but it is, mm. you know, fancy, fancy mm. pants like the, um, uh, like the limited edition, not the limited, the gift box set of the D and D ones where it was, it's just a little bit metallic and reflective. Hmm. Nice. So. Very cool. Well, what gamer doesn't like cool, fancy, fancy schmancy accessories? We are uh, suckers for that kind of stuff. <laughs> just just ask anyone who collects dice. Oh, yes. Well, cool, dice. man. Is there anything else that, that you'd like to plug or mention or link or anything like that? Uh, no, uh, I mean, other than the fact that we we love Nord Games, uh, yeah, we love Bir- we love Birds of Paradise. Uh, ah, yes. Andrea and her dice company. Uh, Birds was, of you know, Paradise. That, that's one of those things. She was inspired by us doing Quest and Chaos to mm. go, ma- you know, design her own dice and find a manufacturer and just start a business. So always supportive of that kind of stuff. She did it, man. Like she made that thing happen like that was that was very cool to see um so i probably ought to wrap this up because well quite frankly i haven't eaten dinner yet and i'm getting hungry um so before we bounce out of here as always we want to make sure to say thank you to our ever loyal patrons kate Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, who we've mentioned a few times, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Logan, Punch and Potato, and Jen Solo. You guys are the best, and we heart you oh so much. And if you, dear listener, want to be like those awesome folks that I just named, head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and check out the different tiers that we have available there. Uh, they will get you access to our private discord community where you can come hang out and chat with us on a regular, regular basis. And if you back us at the $20 level Adam is running RPG games for you. So if you get involved with that, he will get you into one of those games and have things revolve around your character. It's pretty darn cool. So apart from that, if you want to check out our website and the social medias, head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com and On our website in the upper right-hand corner, you will see a button for Facebook, Twitter, and also our Patreon. And if you're on mobile, those three bubbles will be in the top center. And lastly, we just want to encourage you, if 
any of you out there are considering doing your own project, starting a stream, starting a podcast, starting a dice company, who knows? Pursue your dreams. Get out there and try to do it. And if you're looking for advice, if you're looking for recommendations and stuff, go check out Quest and Chaos. These guys know their stuff. And if anything, if you're looking for advice, talk to them. And I'm pretty sure Thomas or any of the other folks over there as well could direct you to uh, help you make the best decisions that you can to try to do the thing right. Because starting something like a stream, whether it's got video or just audio, can be pretty daunting. And it's nice to know where you can go to get some advice and stuff. So um, give that a try. And yeah, until next time, stay inspired. Bye. Bye. Bye.